Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, big games tonight for the Timberwolves and the Wild Gym with playoff implications abounding uh, for both teams. You know, it's a lot of fun to have these two teams right in contention at the end of the regular seasons. A lot of businesses are going to be unproductive tomorrow. <laughs> We're going to stay up late for these games. And, and listen, a culmination of two fascinating regular seasons. The Wild have played great without key players. Now they're playing great without Kaprizov. Uh, they are surging toward the top. And this is a big game. They're playing against a Colorado team that they have a one-point lead over. But also Colorado has a game in hand. If the Wild lose this one, it might be hard for them to make that up. Um, big game, and if they because if they win the division, they're probably going to have a very winnable first round. If they lose the division, or fin- not lose the division, if they finish lower than first in the division, they might have a very difficult first round matchup, and it might be Colorado, which is a great team. And the, then the Wolves, coming off one of the best four-game stretches I can remember in this franchise history, uh, four impressive victories, winning back-to-back on the West Coast. Now tonight's tough. Uh, they're getting Durant in his home opener with Phoenix, uh, he's, they've been very good when he's played. It's a great team, tons of scoring ability. Uh, this, is, this is not an easy match. But you look at, the, you look at the, the Wolves' schedule the rest of the way, they're not, I mean, they're not going to go undefeated, right? right? This would be a logical loss, but I could see them winning, three or, you know, I could see them winning four or five of the, the next games after that. If they go four and two down the stretch here, that's probably going to be good enough to you know, maybe get them the sixth seed. Yeah, which would be, as we talked yesterday, a good spot for them because that would likely mean a matchup against the Sacramento Kings almost certainly would mean a matchup against the Kings. It looks like they're pretty much locked into third, and you kind of like that matchup for the Timberwolves. It's funny, too, because I was watching – I don't watch a ton of sports talk TV, but I was on ESPN today, and Windhorst was saying everybody's trying to finagle a way to be the sixth seed in the Western Conference. It's like almost the best seed. If you can't be a top three seed – it's almost the best seed because mm-hmm. Sacramento doesn't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the only team uh, of the top 10 where you could say, okay, that's a pretty favorable matchup. That's a matchup we feel like we could win. Uh, it's a team that doesn't defend. It's a team with really no playoff history, uh, no recent playoff history. That's about as comfortable a match as you're going to find in the Western Conference right now. I, what did you make of uh, Chris Finch's comments about Mike Connolly and how he's just what they needed for the team and, and they don't have to hide anybody on defense anymore? Was was he really just talking about Connolly or was he referencing somebody who's no longer with the team? He, he, I always felt that every time Chris Finch criticized his team, he was listing all of D'Angelo Russell's faults. <laughs> Now, you know, obviously, he, is a, he can't come out and rip a, a guy who's making that much money and somebody that your team hopes to trade and all that. But I always felt like, okay, okay, we need more physical play. We need people getting after it. We need people being physical on the boards. We need people moving the ball. We need people, uh, you know, who are less selfish, whatever. I felt like every time he criticized his team when Russell's in town, he was criticizing Russell. Mm-hmm. Connolly is not the shooter or scorer Russell is. He's better in every other way. He's a better defender individually. He's a better on-the-ball defender. He's a better team defender. He's a better leader. He's tougher. He's more physical. He, he's much better with Gobert, which is a major factor. Mm-hmm. The fact that Gobert has been much better lately. Uh, and now you, have, you look out there, and you know when they're healthy, the starting five is two exceptional offensive players in Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, and then three veterans, you, you know, 
Well, I, I say I, I should go top six because really Kyle Anderson's a starter whether he comes off the bench or not. Sure. Then you got Jaden McDaniels, who's a wonderful defender, and then you have Conley, Gobert, and Anderson, three really tough physical veterans. And I would say that Conley and Anderson have become the personality of this team. Uh, they push their their teammates to play hard, to play defense, to play together. They're unselfish. They can hit big shots. Uh, and then you add in the fact that Nas Reed has become one of the best offensive players in the league the way he's played the last month. And this is a very, this, this is a very promising group right now. Nas Reed is making himself a lot of money, it seems, this year. Yep. It's probably hard for the Wolves to keep him under the cap, though, next year, I would guess. I don't see there's any way the Wolves can keep him. It's just they're not going to have the cap space, and he's going to want to go make a killing. And he, sure. And, and credit to him. Uh, he's never he's been one of their best players all year. He's never complained about role. He's never complained about minutes. And, and he knows that they, you know, the Wolves aren't going to sign him long term. Uh, you know, there are people who would pout under the circumstances. He has not done that. He's been a great scorer, but he's also been a great team guy. Uh, the Wild, uh, they're outside of Kaprizov, uh, fairly healthy and getting some great goaltending, whether it's Flurry or, or uh, uh, you know, Gustafson that's been in the yep. nets uh, for them. And, and Gustafson is a great find. We referenced them and talked about him uh, quite a bit yesterday. But, you know, Colorado tonight, boy, as you said already, boy, winning the division would be huge for the Wild. It would mean a much better first-round matchup. No doubt about it. Uh, it's a balanced conference. Um, and I would say the top six teams are all pretty difficult to play against. Mm. Uh, you know, Winnipeg would be good because I think the Wild are a better team. Also, the travel would be very easy. Uh, Seattle would be a great matchup. I think they'd destroy the Kraken, and a sentence I've never used before in my life. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and any of the other teams would be a difficult matchup. Now, I'm not saying the Wild, the way they're playing now, couldn't beat any of those teams, but it would be a much, much tougher assignment than Seattle. Do you think they look like a better playoff team now, too, with what Garen has done? Do they have chances with this roster to advance in the playoffs? I think so. Uh, defensive continuity, two good goaltenders, defense playing really well, forwards playing really well defensively, Boldy coming on strong, Johansson giving them more depth. Um, you know, they might even get a little more depth as other people get healthy toward the, you know, back in like Nyquist. Uh, but, you know, so. I think they have a better chance of advancing to do something really special to make a playoff run. I think you're going to need Kaprizov healthy and playing well. Let's talk Twins a little bit. Season opener is tomorrow. Uh, I saw the uh, lineup that uh, Dohung Park, who's an excellent writer for MLB.com uh, and, and uh, uh, you know covers the Twins as a beat, he put out what he thought might be the starting lineup for the opener tomorrow, and it has Joey Gallo leading off. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, that's. I really think the last couple weeks of uh, – I really think the last couple of weeks of the spring training you started to see the real lineup, and I do think that's what they're heading for right mm. now. I think Gallo, uh, something like, and listen, let's be honest, Rocco might have a different lineup every day of the year. So it's kind of a silly game to pretend we know what he's going to do all the time. Mm. I would just say that I think his preferred lineup with who he has healthy right now, Gallo, Correa, Buxton, Kepler, Miranda, Larnick, Taylor, Gordon, and then catcher. Pulling for Trevor Larnick to be healthy. Boy, that would really lengthen out uh, the lineup if he can just be healthy. He had a terrific spring. And, you know, he might slot in nicely there as a six-hitter behind Miranda and Kepler. Not a ton of pressure. Uh, he, he can hit. The guy can hit. He can drive the ball. 
Uh, it's really about health. And he's got a window here where he can kind of prove himself before Kirilov and Polanco come back and take away some at-bats. And we, know, we also know that even if, we can, even if you hope for health, there's still going to be injuries. Even if they have a relatively healthy season, even if they're 85% healthier than they were last year, there's still going to be some openings here. And you need depth, and at the very least, he's quality depth. What do you make of him naming Pablo Lopez as the opening day starter? Does that mean they think that he's their best starting pitcher, or is it about matchups as they get into the schedule a little bit? I really think it's their way of saying they think he has the upside to become a true staff ace. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe not a, a league. You know, there's a difference between league ace and staff ace. Sure. Staff ace is just the guy you trust the most. League ace, you're talking about somebody you think can win game one of the World Series. Um, so I think they see so much upside in him. Uh, he's perfect body type for a pitcher, great motion. Uh, he doesn't look like the kind of guy who's going to hurt himself. Uh, his stuff has ticked up since he came to the Twins. They feel like they felt like one of the reasons they should trade for him is they not only did they have good stuff, but they thought they could help him a little bit. You have to see how that stuff plays out over time, but they think that there's more in him. Um, composure, personality, coachability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, listen, Gray and Ryan are both, either of them would have been good choices, but I think they see more in Lopez in terms of ceiling. Speaking of Sonny Gray, he had some uh, comments about wanting to stay in games longer for my money, I hope from his lips to the manager's ears, uh, to let those starters get a little deeper into games. But they have such a terrific bullpen now, too, so I don't know if I really see that happening. They're probably going to continue on unless they just get better starting pitching. And that's the thing. The easy thing to do is blame Rocco every time he takes a starter out in the fifth or sixth. (laughs) Um, But Rocco said earlier this spring when I was down there, hey, I want my starters to pitch deeper, but they've got to prove they can do it. Uh, I can't sit there and say, okay, I I like Sonny Gray. He's pitching well. I'm going to let him go through the lineup a third time, and he gives up four runs. That doesn't help anybody. Um, You know, you're making some kind of weird point to traditionalists. Hey, I'm letting my guy pitch in the sixth inning. Well, if they give up six runs in the sixth inning, that's not a good thing. Um, I think he wants Gray, Ryan, and Lopez to pitch as deep as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to be careful with Maida and Mal because are coming off injuries. And I think uh, Ober is sitting there ready to come up if somebody has any trouble. Uh, as you said, they also have a very deep bullpen. Yep. So I think Rocco wants these guys to pitch deeper, but he's not going to lose a game to make some kind of point. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.